You are tuned in to the new Numa Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, aka Professor, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you'll either love it or you won't, because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's got to do it, and that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride, because it's going to be good. Peace. Thanks for listening to the new Numa Godcast today. As always, we ask for your support, and there are several ways you may do so. The first step is subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and many more. Did you know that testimonies are one of the biggest ways to build credibility? Well, that's why we need the following to happen, which is one of the most important things we may ask from you. If you're on iTunes, once you subscribe to the podcast, immediately before life kicks in and you forget about it, rate the podcast in two easy steps, which are only available on iTunes. First, give us a five-star rating, which gives us more visibility in the podcast rankings. And after you rate the podcast, write an inspiring comment about the podcast that will tell others why they should listen to the podcast. Second step, follow us on your favorite social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Parler, and YouTube. Third step, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Fourth step, subscribe to our email list at newnuma.com forward slash subscribe. Last but not least, notice how none of the above steps cost any money. However, if you care to give to the mission, you may send as little as 99 cents per month up to as much as you would like to send into this ministry. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash new dash numa and scroll down to where you will find the support button. Click there and the rest will be clear. Once again, we appreciate you and your support. This is Norm from the New Numa Godcast. Peace. It's a lot of things going on that we can talk about, but today um, I feel like we definitely need to address um, what I'm going to call Christian contradictions. Okay. Um, but we're going to have a lot of different things that we're going to include in this today. We're going to talk about apostasy. Um, we're going to talk about um, people representing, supposedly claiming they represent Christ, but then things that they portray or that you see about them is not reflecting that the way that it should reflect it. Um, and then uh, we're going to also talk about people that are fake believers that, you know, we want to be able to say that um, we want to be able to say that uh, there are people that they try to talk about Jesus as if they know him, like they have a relationship with him. But then when you really check into what they believe, then you find out where they really stand. So so it's kind of tricky. And, and I think there's a lot of believers out here that are trying to go through this life, trying to figure out who's real or who's not. Like, you know, because a lot of times um, certain people are, I guess you could say, they, they portray themselves as being such, but they're not really um, that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And and so we got to know the difference between the real ones and the fake ones. So, right. um, so I might even call it, we might call this the real ones or whatever, real <laughs> ones um, or fake versus real, real versus fake, something like that. I don't know. But anyway, um, so... This kind of started for me. I mean, I've seen a lot of this over the years anyway, but when I really started thinking about how, you know, I wanted to address this, it kind of started for me last year when I was seeing certain things on social media and also because I was hearing certain things at my job with coworkers. So specifically, there was this one time um, I was talking to a coworker and actually, I had a conversation that was like, it was actually several of my coworkers that I was having the same kind of conversation with 
but in different times. So it's like I'm talking to this one guy and then we get into some things. Then another guy shows up and then he wants to get into the conversation. And then the other guy leaves and then me and that guy stay in the conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. And so this one particular day, I started out with my one coworker said, hey, he was noticing some things about these guys on the job that say they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And he was saying some stuff about how they have some things that's contradictory in certain things that they do or whatever, right? So, but the things he was bringing up in this regard was kind of like, it was kind of silly because in all honesty, aside from the obvious false doctrine that Jehovah's Witnesses believe, um, there are things that they just believe that's just silly. Like, oh, we don't celebrate birthdays, but then we'll celebrate an anniversary. Right. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, why don't you celebrate your birthday, but it's okay to celebrate the anniversary? And what scripture do you have that you claim that that is backed by? So, I mean, and then really what that comes down to is what is the real truth? Because, you know, I've read some of the Jehovah's Witness Bible and I've read certain parts that I know what it says in our Bible and what's what's actually, I guess, what I would call um, necessary for people to understand in, in the Bible to, you know, as far as supporting their salvation and so, so forth. And then when you come across a Jehovah's Witness and they're saying it completely differently, like, nah, that's that's a contradiction to what the Bible says. But then they'll claim, well, their Bible's correct, you know. So this is where, I mean, a person has to either be already well-trained in the Bible, learn, learn it in the things of God. They had to either go into a school where they got taught the things or they grew up in church or whatever the case may be because... It would take a actual really deep dig and dive for you to really know why what they're saying is wrong and what you're saying is right. But here's the thing. Like when people try to understand the scriptures, they have to, first of all, know what the scriptures are saying in certain subjects already before they even try to understand certain sections of the Bible because if you don't know, let's say, for instance, that um, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word made flesh, then how will you be able to say one of the ways that you know that Jesus is God if you don't know that specifically? Or if you don't know that in the Old Testament it says these are his names that he will have. And one of them is Emmanuel, God with us. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Those are things that, um, like I heard one preacher say years ago, the more you know about the Bible, the smaller the Bible becomes. Mm -hmm. So really, it's just saying that it's almost like, and I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw this, I think it was a movie that I saw, but I don't remember what movie. But it was like, the more information that this person gathered, the more that it was kind of like making things simplified for them because it's like the parts that were seemingly wherever they were, they started to fit together to make a certain congruent thought, a certain consistent thought that really became like, this is the one thought that was, you know, that birthed all these many different things or ways of saying your angles of looking at it so that somebody understands, you know. So having said that, um, so these guys were talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses and then that led to talking about the Bible even more in other ways. And then the one guy came around and when he came around, he was like, I could feel the... You know how you can tell when you get in a spiritual attack and in a conversation, you know it's a spiritual attack because of the way it's coming at you. And it's like all of a sudden the argument is really coming at you and you're like, 
I wasn't saying this to argue with you, but now you want to make an argument. You know, you want to make this a battle. Yeah. So I'm not going to back down because I'm going to make sure that you know I don't believe that. And I'm going to tell you what the truth is, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. So, and for those that don't know this, you know, I'm going to tell you, like, I've learned over the years when and how to actually have an argument with people about the Bible. Because sometimes you'll just know it's a pointless argument. Just keep it moving. Don't even stand there and talk to them. It's not going to be a good use of your time. And the Bible even says it like this in the book of Titus. It says, avoid vain and profane babblings, which lead to nothing. It's like, this. it's pointless. Don't even waste your time. So, um, so I just wanted to say that real briefly for those that are out there that, you know, you, you kind of feel like you always got to defend the Bible or whatever. You want to be an apologist for that or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, man, just, you don't need to defend it every time somebody's saying something. Sometimes I hear people say something like, oh my goodness, but I'm not getting into the conversation with them because I already know where it's going and I'm not going to go there with them. Yeah. So having said that, this guy starts talking about Jesus and at first he started out with talking about not there's not just one way mm-hmm. to God. And I was like, well, I disagree with you. I said, uh, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to go into that with you. I'm just going to tell you I disagree. He was like, well, well, look at it. Look at this. And then he started saying all this stuff. I'm like, listen, man, I just told you I don't agree with you. So I don't need you to try to think you're going to convince me to believe your way. I don't agree. We're never going to agree. So let's just get to another subject. And he kept on going. Then he goes into this thing about how um, Jesus was an angel who became, who became, and I was like, so in other words, you believe what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. He's like, I mean, it's 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 clear, it's it's right there. I'm like, right where? Tell me where that is. Show me where that is. He couldn't give me no scripture. He couldn't quote nothing that said it or anything. And this is what this is what you got to understand. This is for the audience. What you need to understand is when you deal with people who are trying to convince you of their lie, their error, their false doctrine. You have to understand that when you know what you know, then you stand firm on that because the enemy is always going to try to make you question it. He did it from the beginning. Did God say he's done it from the beginning? He's going to keep on doing it till he's done. So it's over for him. So the thing that you got to understand is when it comes to the scriptures, you know, when you understand what they say, you don't need to try to convince somebody. If, if they're basically coming at you to have an argument, then just walk away. You don't have to stand there. There's no obligation for you to stand there and argue with them. You can just politely say, I'm done with the conversation. You have a great day and walk away. You don't need to stand there and argue with them. It takes at least two people to have an argument. So you end the argument by walking away. So this guy, he starts going into this stuff. And here's the other thing. When people, and this is the problem with a lot of with most false doctrines that are being taught out here, it's being taught because somebody took some scripture that they took out of context, didn't use a pretext or the post-text. They saw one verse and they said, oh, that's what this means. Instead of what the real way of studying is, which is post-pre and the whole context of what you're reading, and then being able to cross-reference that with other things in the Bible a lot of times as well. So that's why the Bible says, and this is for you biblical scholars or those that want to be, you know, you want to be skilled in the scriptures. The Bible says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That is whether it's like if you went to court 
you can't just go with one witness. It's got to be more than one. It's got to be at least two. If you went to, if you're talking about scriptures, you got to have at least two scriptures that's talking about what you're saying for it to be established. You can't just say one verse and that's going to be it. That's not the way you study. That's not the way you prove something as doctrine. That's not the way that something is proven to be, this is the way we should be looking at it. So the first thing is the guy didn't have any scripture to show me to say anything. And then he even went as far as to say, this is where it gets real stupid with people like this. He goes as far as to say, well, who's to say this is right? Anyway, a man wrote that. And I was like, so the same man that wrote the thing that you trying to tell me is the reason why you believe this thing is another man that wrote the same thing that I'm telling you. Like, what do you believe then? So you don't believe nothing then. Whatever a man wrote, you don't believe it. So let's just throw all the books away in the whole world because we can't believe none of them. That's ignorant. That sounds stupid. Obviously, a man wrote it. Who else going to write it? God going to put his fingers down here and he going to write it out for you? You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's the ignorance, man. And, that, and that'll lead to something that we can talk about later. But the point I was making is that in that conversation, because there's been many times where I heard him talk about the Bible and I've heard him talk about Jesus and he would make references that, you know, in the moment I'll be like, oh, well... That's a religious way of looking at things. So I already know what he's about just from that alone. Yeah. But then when he got into that part, I was like, oh, boy, this dude just straight up is uh, he, he he definitely doesn't serve Jesus, even if he was. a and, and, and that's the thing, man, it's like being able to decipher between a person who's not serving Jesus or a person who's just a baby. You got to be able to tell the difference. There are certain things that you will be able to tell the difference. And one of the things that I will definitely say emphatically, a baby in Christ will still believe Jesus is the son of God. A baby in Christ will still say he is the only way to the Lord, to the father. A baby will know that. Yeah. If a person does not say that, they're not even in Christ, period. Yeah. I don't care who they are, what they say, how many Bible scriptures they quote, how many times they talk about the Lord in a good way, how many times they sing a hymn, how many times they go to church per week. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. And I'm going to just drop this real quick before I let you take the floor. So I was around someone recently who was talking about the fact that they go to a certain church. And then they had made a comment about another person who was preparing for something to happen in their life and needed some extra money. So they were going to work on a Sunday or Sundays to get this extra money. And then that other person tried to make it sound like, almost like they are heathen because they didn't go to church on Sunday. I'm like, are you serious? Uh, going to church on Sunday does not mean you're a believer, okay? There's a lot of people that go to church on Sunday. That don't mean nothing. So what that showed me is that people still are, there's a lot of people that are still caught up in a works type of thing. Like, I did this. I went to church three times this week. How many times did you go? You know, like that kind of thing. It's like, yo, if I didn't go for a, a whole month, that didn't mean I'm not a believer anymore, <laughs> I know how to fellowship with saints, and it's not always because I went to this church building. And I'm not, and, and I, that'll be a whole other subject, too. I'm not going to get into that right now. But the point is, is that that's just some of the, and I'll, I'll tell you more later, but tell me about some of your experiences, man, when you've seen like basically contradictions <laughs> to the faith. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had a lot of, uh, I had a conversation with a lot of people in the streets. You know, I used to do, street ministry a lot so that i've always you know what's crazy what's funny though is that because you kind of you kind of uh <laughs> kind of was talking about some stuff i used to do because i used to literally hunt down 
Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. <laughs> and boy, I used to hunt them down just to debate with them. Man. So I was, I was terrible. But, um, you know, I used to study apologetics, all that stuff, you know, have answers for everybody. Study what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. I can tell you the, the text. I could quote their um, Charles Tate's Russell to him. Boy, I knew all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's funny because, like, like you said, when you really get to the meat of it, like all of it centers around who is Jesus and what does he accomplish, you know? And so, like, it's, it's, it's crazy because I was having a discussion with a guy over on, um, we were, we were down at um, Westside Shopping Center and, um, he was talking some good stuff for a while. He was saying, yeah, Jesus, man, these, these people need Jesus. I was like, yeah, man, you know, we, did, we was talking for a good while. But for some reason, he kept saying, man, I just feel like I just got to, you know, um, I'm just not at that level, man. I just want to live. You know, I just want to live like and 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 like he was like, man, I just want to. He was like, man, we hear about people like just like Gandhi and stuff like that who just live so holy. And he just kept saying he needed to live like these holy people. And I was like, what is going on? Because he's saying, I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, Jesus, son of God. He was like, yeah, man, Jesus, son of God. And I was like, yeah, man, well, he's the Savior. He was like, yeah, man, he's the Savior. He's the Lord. And I was, and I was like, that's something off here. But we just yeah. kept talking. And about 15, 20 minutes later, and I was, and I started talking about Jesus. I was like, you know, why God came in the flesh? And he was like, oh no, Jesus is not God. And I was like, now everything makes sense because uh -huh. the version of Jesus you're preaching, he couldn't make you holy because he's not God. So that's why you keep living as if his sacrifice was not enough because everything he boiled down was like, I just need to do better. I'm like, bro, you don't understand the sonship, like what you become. But now I understand like you haven't been born of him because you, yeah. you don't even understand who he is. So you don't yeah. have a Jesus that can forgive sins, that can deliver you out of the depths of sin and shame and, and bondage and stuff like that. So like you say, you know, it's like when you really start to probe people, like everything centers around Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And, um, it's crazy because I know that even a lot of, I don't know, I would say a lot of people call themselves Christian. When you really get down to the nitty gritty of who Jesus is, it's like their beliefs start to fall apart because, you know, they thought it was just about, you know, sadly enough, our gospel, a lot of gospel that we hear preaches just about going to heaven, avoid hell, which is not really the central point of the gospel that Jesus or the apostles preached. Yeah. But that's a whole nother conversation. But, um, you know, when you really start talking to people about Jesus, you start to really understand where they are spiritually and where they are mentally because they've put up some wall, you know, and even I believe born again Christians that like our whole journey is like taking down the walls and the lies we've believed about God and about Jesus. And I think that's why Paul continually uses the phrasing like Jesus is the image of God. He's the glory of God. He's the express person of God because everything we think we know about God is wrong unless it lines up with Jesus. And I think that's just such an amazing reality is that when we start talking about the person of Jesus, everything else becomes clear. If you really want to know what a person believes, just start talking about Jesus. It's so simple. Like, it's amazing. You, you, you can talk about They'll agree with you almost every day, but you start talking about Jesus every day. I think that's like the easiest way to tell them why John's like, you know, every spirit that confesses not that, that Jesus is coming to flesh. There's something about Jesus having appeared, about God having appeared in the flesh that just makes people uncomfortable and makes the demons uncomfortable. You know, as we saw, you know, in the Gospels, like, oh my gosh, why have you come to torment us? You're the son of God. So I think that's like a truth behind that when it's about God coming in the flesh that, that exposes the demonic, you know? Yeah, man, that's really interesting how you said that too, because, um, there's like, okay, like I had an incident with uh, a Hebrew Israelite years ago. Mm -hmm. And so somehow I think I was sitting down in a mall. It was a gallery mall downtown. Um, and this guy comes up to me out of nowhere. I'm minding my business. He comes up to me and he starts talk, talking to me about the Bible. And he was like asking me some questions. And I kind of already knew what he was about in the first few minutes. I already pretty much knew. 
and I was just waiting for whatever he was about to try to drop. So then he comes up with this, do you believe the Bible? I said, yeah, I sure do. He was like, well, which version of the Bible do you have? <laughs> so, so I was like, what do you mean? Like, He said, well, what version of the Bible do you read? And I said, I read several different versions. He's like, but which version do you read the most then? And I said, well, i probably say King James. He's like, well, which King James? And I'm like, yo, what do you mean, which King James? <laughs> Is it the 1611 or the... And he said oh, something. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why does it matter which year of... What, what are you talking about anyway? Why does it even matter? So the bottom line is he was like, well, if it's not the 1611 version, then it's not the right version or something like that. And he was like, you got to have the 1611 version. And I was like, okay, dude. <laughs> now, what's your point? I mean, what's the point of the version? What does it matter? So then he starts to go into something where I don't know if he asked me the question, are you saved or whatever? I don't know if that's what he said or not. But we got into to that subject about how what is salvation and how do you get saved. Mm. So this is what he said. He's I, I said, oh yeah, I know how you know. I said, yeah, I'm I'm saved. And he's like, well, how do you know you saved? And I said, because I've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. I've confessed it with my mouth, believed it in my heart that He was raised from the dead. He is the Son of God. Yes, I'm saved. He was like, no, that's not how you get saved. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, I'm going to show you where it says it. Romans chapter 10. And I was like, I brought it out. And he was like, nah, the Bible says he that endures to the end shall be saved. So I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so we started getting into that little bit of a debate. Then... He even said something about Jesus. He said, so was Jesus the son of God or the son of man? And I'm like, what's your point? Why are you saying it like that? And so, and I was like, he's the son of God. He was like, nah, I'm going to show you in the Bible where he really was. So he goes to somewhere and I think it was Romans again. Um, but wherever it was, I can't remember the exact chapter. I'll have to look it up some other time, but it's in the first verse, I think of this chapter. And it says the first part now, check out how I'm getting ready to say this. In the first part of this verse, it says he was the son of David after the flesh. And he stopped right there. And I said, wait, 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 hold up. You didn't read that whole verse. Why are you stopping there? Read the whole verse. He was the son of God after the spirit. So why are you going to stop in the middle of the verse? Like, that's what it is. <laughs> so right there, you show me you don't know how to study the Bible. And you show me that you stop at a certain place to support what you want to say is the real belief that we should all have. And I told him right there, I said, you don't know how to study the Bible and you're wrong. And I say, and it shows me how deceptive you guys really are. This was a Hebrew Israelite. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to say this to anybody who's listening, because I'm not going to claim that I know all the, the, the sects of <laughs> every religion that's out there, whatever. I don't need to know all of them. Okay. It doesn't right. even matter to me. But from what I hear, which I can know, I cannot confirm or deny, is that there's supposed to be different types of Hebrew Israelites. Yeah. And there's some that supposedly teach the Bible the way it's supposed to be taught. And then there's others that are the real ones, that are real fake, or the false ones or whatever. Mm. Supposedly. I can't confirm or deny that. I'm just going to tell you like this. Everybody that I've seen that's a so supposedly a Hebrew Israelite, they have a spirit that is like very angry and hateful. And it's definitely um, something that is all about the color of skin. 
instead of being about love and about what the word of God is really about. Because, yes, we can talk about the fact that most of the Bible is talking about people that were not Caucasian. Yes, we can say that. Yes, it is true. But that is not the main concentration of the Bible. The Bible doesn't yeah. say um, <laughs> it doesn't say something like uh, and then Abraham, a man who was black in skin color and also <laughs> from the land where Negroes grow. You know what I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it wasn't like it said something like that in the Bible. OK, if you see certain references there might be something like you'll see something like about the Ethiopians and they'll say something about, um, I think I read one time it was talking about um, dark, they are dark and, you know, complex or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the reference was. It was a while ago. But my point is that it's very few times where you see that in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Very few. You'll see a couple of different references to complexion or, you know, maybe... Uh, hair or something like that about eyes or whatever, but it never really gets into colors per se. And um, I mean, it does get into some colors. No, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying there are no colors in the Bible. I'm not saying there's no mention of skin or whatever. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that it's not the main concentration. And what I'm also saying is, if you know where people are from, then you're going to kind of already know what they look like anyway. So if I say they're from Ethiopia, you got an idea. Yeah, it could be certain darkness all the way up to a certain light skin. So, and then their hair texture is different. Okay, so yeah, you kind of get a general picture of what that person might look like. But my point is that the Bible is not going out of its way always like, you know, like Paul. <laughs> I, Paul, ruddy in skin, you know, blue-eyed, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It ain't saying nothing like that. And by the way, I don't believe Paul had blue eyes. I'm just saying that. So the <laughs> point is, is that the Bible does not sit around trying to concentrate on the color of somebody's skin, the texture of their hair, or whatever, whatever. There's certain times when that is pointed out for a reason, though. Yeah. But I believe that the reasons are for people to have a clarity of what is going on or what they're looking at or why this person is a certain way or something like that. So you'll see stuff like he had locks, you know, his locks were like a certain thing or whatever. So whether they look like, we don't know. We really don't know what the locks look like. Mm -hmm. Some people might try to say, oh, they're dreadlocks. If it says locks, they got to be dreadlocks. <laughs> you know, we don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. So all we know is that lock means it's curly. Some kind of way it's curly. Right. It could have been certain type of curls. It could have been somebody locked their hair up. We don't know. So, but um, yeah. I'm saying all that to say this. When you get down to it with these different types of beliefs out here, again, they reveal what's real and what's fake. And like you said, Justin... It comes down to what do they believe about Jesus first and foremost? Because that's going to tell you a lot about who they are from the jump. Now, I was, uh, I was, I, I came across this information recently. I didn't know it until like maybe a month or two ago or something like that. I can't remember. I found out that Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate the life of Jesus in the sense mm -hmm. of him being born. They celebrate his death. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, let's get this straight. So y'all don't even think about the fact he's, he, he resurrected from the dead, but you talk about he died. Mm -hmm. And y'all stay right there. I don't know their Bible like that, so I don't know if it even talks about him being resurrected. But... What I do know is if it doesn't, that's already a problem right there. Right. Do you know anything about that? Oh, you yeah. You know about yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't, they, they, don't, they don't believe that Jesus rose from the grave physically. So they believe that his physical body dissolved into dust, but he raised spiritually. And what's, what's amazing to me, 
man, God is so wise. What's amazing to me? Because we know that John's gospel is the latest gospel historically. Mm-hmm. What's amazing to me is that John seems to go to extensive lengths to refute the idea of Jesus not having raised physically because Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, John actually dealt with that through Gnosticism that was going on in the first century that believed that God could not come in a physical body because flesh, they, as they, as some, as the Gnostic believe was inherently evil. Mm-hmm. And so it's, what's amazing is that the Jehovah's Witnesses are in a sense like the Gnostics because they don't believe in the physical resurrection. They don't even believe what's, what's just so weird is that they do not believe that Jesus as an angel spirit, even though they believe he's an angel, they don't believe he as an angel spirit was the one who was in a body. They believe that somehow he changed out of the angel spirit and became some sort of essence and went into the womb of Mary. So they don't believe it was like an angel incarnate. So they have very spectacular. really weird. It's so weird. Okay, so let me just clarify this for people that's listening so that you didn't get mixed up in the oh, words yeah. that he was saying. He is not saying that Jesus was an angel. Right. Yeah. He's saying that's what they believe. Right. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. This is one of the ways we know they are completely off. Okay. I don't care what they say. They are off. And then on top of that, does their Bible that they call the Bible even say that? Um, They kind of, like you said, pick and choose from certain verses to try to prove that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Yeah, and and they so you, okay, yeah. so bottom line is there is nothing even in their stupid Bible that says it. No. There's nothing in there that can exactly. even prove what they claim to believe. That's what's so stupid about yeah. their beliefs. I mean, this is just like this this should be like Bible translation or 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 not translation study 101. If you cannot even use the scriptures to prove what you claim you believe, stop saying you believe it or stop trying to teach other people that or stop trying to convince somebody of that. It's not biblical. If it's not in there, stop trying to tell somebody that. Because now you're getting into error, you get into false doctrine, you're getting into leading people down the wrong path. Right. So that's the bottom line. And, And that's the reason why... I have to say that I cannot I cannot believe no matter how much of the so-called Bible because their Bible is so screwed up anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to even call it the Bible, but <laughs> their so-called Bible, um, how that they can believe what they say how they can be born again. How, how could they be a Christian or I, they won't even say they're a Christian anyway, but how could they even say they follow Jesus? Because if they think he's an angel, that's part, that's probably why they call They always talk about Jehovah. They never even talking about Jesus. They never talk about Jesus unless they said some little passing comment or something. So that tells you right there, they cannot be serving Jesus if they're not even really mentioning him. Because I've been around Jehovah's Witnesses when they were supposed to be praying. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even say, in the name of Jesus, we pray. <laughs> so I was like, what the heck? What, what is this? So, but I'm going to tell you something that's really kind of funny in passing. I was... um. I was around some Jehovah's Witnesses one time because I was um, part of this family. And uh, at the time, uh, I was married to my children's mom, my my daughter's mom, rather. Um, So their grandmother was dealing with some health issues and problems and so forth, right? And now... You probably already know this. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in prayer, being healed by prayer. They don't believe right. in that. But this woman, who is a staunch Jehovah's Witness, asked me to pray for her. <laughs> I was like, word? Like, are you serious? You really want me to pray for you? Now, I didn't, I didn't say it like that, but I was thinking. I'm like, wow, this is 
really big. She wants me to pray for her. I said, okay. She apparently didn't want to do it around her husband, who's a Jehovah's Witness. Right. So she had me to go into another room. This was, We were at her brother-in-law. I mean, okay, so the grandmother, we were at her brother's house. So it was the uncle to me at that time. Okay. So he was like what we would call a grand uncle, basically. So her brother, that was whose house we were at. And this was um, around Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So that's anyway. So anyway, we go around the corner and I pray for her. Not long after that, she talked about how she felt something when I prayed for her. Yeah. And she made a big deal out of it. She was like, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I felt something when he prayed for me. I was like, I don't know about, I don't remember if I said it to her because it's been so long ago, but I said it to either her or I said it to her granddaughter. I said, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit. You felt the Holy Spirit. So the thing is, is that, man, a lot of times, and, and this is the thing, it's like, you know, um, even uh, this is kind of in passing as well. I'm just thinking about the fact that this past week, man, uh, a co-worker of mine who who was, I'm saying was, 28 years old, he died mm. on Thursday. Somewhere between Thursday and Friday, he died. Mm. Nobody knows how. Nobody knows what it is yet. But he died, 28 years old. Wow. And I'm bringing that up because I'm saying, like, it's like you look at somebody like that and it made me think. This the, the Life is like you don't know when certain things could happen to you. You know what I'm saying? But that was like such a big blow to me hearing that he died, man, because I was like, I just talked to him yesterday. I was joking with him, laughing yesterday and today to get this news. And it just made me kind of like think about how quickly, I mean, somebody could just be out of here the next day. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? And, um, it just kind of made me think about things in general, man. And um, mm. I, I was just kind of questioning God about some things, asking him, like, okay, you know, I just don't understand. I mean, like, and so this brings me to a subject that this is kind of a, this is going to be one of those moments where we just going to kind of play with the idea. This is not something that I'm going to say I have any Bible for. Justin doesn't necessarily have any Bible for it or whatever, but we're going to kind of bounce this thought around a little bit, okay? And the thought is, um, I'm going to start it out by this. We all, pretty much all of us believe in divine connections. I mean, most people who walk with God, they believe in divine connections, right? What would be what would be your definition of a divine connection? Well, like in general for everybody? For you, what would you oh. say a divine connection looks like? Um like when it's a lot of them. But um I would say Give like, a couple of different examples. I would say one example is like when I was in the world, I had like friends that did music, made movies and stuff, and when I became a Christian I didn't have no friends. And then the people God brought in my life filled those exact slots almost in the exact same way that my worldly friends feel. So I felt like those friendships were divine connections. Um, And just a lot of that, like a lot of events that just happen, you feel like what people call coincidence. But it's like it's like set up, like even things in my business, like getting connected with people I would have never had access to or even thought about. But they reach out to me or something like that. And um even I don't know everything, yo, like the church. Everything. I know, but see, that's I wanted I wanted you to get specifics because I want people out here in the audience to hear what a divine connection can look like, may look like. Yeah. So I want you to be specific about like what was it that happened in the situation that made you say this is a divine connection. Yeah. 
I know one time it was crazy. When I first started working from home, I wasn't really making that much money, obviously. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was kind of panicking because like bills and stuff was coming out. And um, my sister ended up, my sister on my father's side ended up texting me saying, bro, my graphic designer just canceled on me. I was wondering if you could do this project for me. And it was like, suddenly, I was like, and it was like right when I was like worried and stuff. And then like, I was literally, I think I was on my knees praying. And then after I finished praying, I looked over at my phone and that text message was there. So I was like, yo, that was absolutely from God, you know? Um, It's been some different occasions, you know? Um, Okay, so let me, let me say this because I, 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 I hear what you're saying and that is, a way that God works, okay? What what I'm really trying to say is when God connects you to people, and I guess you could kind of say that was God connecting to a person, but, um, and you've, I mean, she's your sister, but it was for a purpose that you needed in your life to happen, right? So there was a divine connection from that standpoint, right? So, like, but let's just say, okay, so sometimes somebody can have people in their life that, let's say, do certain things, but then God didn't want them to go that path. So I know in your situation, you claim that certain people came that filled the slots, but how do you know they were divine connections, though? Like, how did you determine they're divine? By just because, mm. I mean, just because they came into and they were able to do the same thing those other guys did or whatever, does that mean they're a divine connection or what? Like, how does that make them a divine connection in your mind? That's what I'm trying to gather. Well, I, don't, I guess the way it happened, because I, the way I met my circle of friends, my main circle of friends now was actually very, very like weird because I was out doing some evangelism. And I had given this one brother a gospel track, and it turns out he went to the same college that I was going to, but I didn't know it. But he was like, yo, do I know you from the college? I was like, oh, snap, yo, what's up? And he was like, man, you got to meet my uh, friend Carlos. And so I was like, all right, cool, you know, let's meet him. So um, I saw him a couple of days later up at the college, and um, he was, I met Carlos, and then Carlos was like, yo, you got to meet my man's Leviticus. And then, um, you know, because they were fired up, they were in the word and everything like and they they are actually the ones who like really introduced me into like walking in the supernatural and stuff like that, you know, and then it turns out they did music and then eventually movies and stuff like that. So for me, I knew it was a divine connection because it's like as close as we are now and how that all got set up for me actually walking in the kingdom and meeting them like haphazardly through like a second, third person. It was just like too many, quote unquote, what they call coincidences to be like, you know. So let's talk about the God incident, God incidences. God incidences. I call them God incidents. <laughs> yeah. Um, so God has a way of moving us around like chess pieces. I was saying this to someone yesterday. And the thought came to me. Um, the word of God says to everything, there's a purpose under the sun. There's a season. There's a time, right? Now, Uh, We also know that people have a purpose. Now, I'm about to say something that to some, it might rub you the wrong way at first, and you might not like it, but if you really, really think about it, I mean, I'm thinking that you will finally, you will see what what I'm trying to say. Now, for instance, let's just say like this. Um... If we look at someone like, let's say, Joseph, and in the book of uh, Genesis, Joseph, his life is um, shown from the time he was a little boy growing up, right? And we see that he had an incident happen between he and his brothers that led to him being sold into slavery. Then, through that selling into slavery, he ended up going into you know, Egypt, where he ended up being in Potiphar's house. Then through Potiphar, he was kind of like lifted up, so to speak, to a higher level of living. And then an incident happened there that caused him to go to jail. But then because of his gift, he was then brought up to be 
now the second in command of Egypt at a certain point, right? Now, all along the way, these things were happening that were getting him to ultimately where he was going to end up, which was second in charge over Egypt. But he had to go through the baker, cupbearer, Potiphar, sold as a slave with the Ishmaelites. Those were stages that got him to where he was eventually going to go. He had to go through all of those stages to get where he was going. So all those people that were along the path of that were divine connections in what they were doing to get him where he was going. Because the ultimate thing of why he became second in command was to be able to preserve his family. That was the purpose, ultimately, right? So, but let's just say he had not ever met the cupbearer. He had never met the baker. He's in prison, chilling, <laughs> doing what he does, but he never met the cupbearer or the baker. What was his, what was his future going to look like? Mm. And one of those people got killed. <laughs> you feel me? Like, one of them got killed. Now, the question is, what was the, who was the real, like, okay, this is where it's going to get a little bit, like, where people might kind of not really like what I'm about to say a little bit. But they'll, if you think about it, then you probably get over that. Um, one of those people was going to be killed in three days. The other one was going to be exalted in three days after they gave him the dreams. And then he, he interpreted for them. Mm. The one who got killed, did he really have a purpose in Joseph's life? I would say kind of no. I would say not. He didn't really do nothing for him. What did he do? He died. But the dude that did live, he had the purpose in Joseph's life. But had he never been in there, he would have never got to where he got. But after we see him coming out of jail, becoming second in charge, we hear nothing more about this cupbearer. Yeah. He's done. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. So here's the reason why I'm even kind of saying it the way I'm saying it. Because if God moves us around like chess pieces, knowing the future, knowing who's going to make what decisions. I mean, God knows if somebody in China is coming here tomorrow. So if he wants me to meet that person that's from China, he will put me in a situation where I will be wherever that Chinese person is going to be in that moment. And then I meet them. But we're not even from the same country, the same city, nothing. We don't know anybody that knows each other, but all of a sudden we meet. That was a divine setup by God. He moved us around like chess pieces to get us to come together, right? But there was different people that we both individually had to come across, had to deal with or whatever just to get to that moment in time. And God set it all up. Mm -hmm. Now, how did he set it up? Number one, because he knew the decisions that we were going to make. So he knows, I mean, this is so crazy when you think about it. If you think that a computer is ill with the way that it does things, just think about the one who gave a brain to someone to design the computer. Okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about who gave that person the intellect to do that. How intricate his, his thinking is. How intricately he can weave worlds together. Weave lives together. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that powerful way of looking at God as to how he can, he knows every single move that everybody's going to make. Now I'm gonna start it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this little thing first to kind of feed into what I'm about to say. If he knows the future, which he does, then that means he knows who's gonna choose him and who's not. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, 
whose names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? You tell me what that means. I know what it means, but I want you to say it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure which. Okay, all right. Let me say a lot to that. No, but I'll say it like this. The Bible talks about people whose names were written in the book of life. When Jesus spoke to the disciples, he said, do not rejoice in the fact that you cast out these demons and had the power and blah, blah, blah. But rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of life. He said that before they so-called got saved. Right? Mm -hmm. He said that when they had no idea what he was talking about. There is nothing that I've ever seen, at least, in the Old Testament says book of life. I don't, I've never seen it in the Old Testament. So that would tell me that none of them knew what the book of life was. But Jesus said, rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Is written. It hasn't, if, if it is written, it's already there right now. And how did it get there is the question. Mm-hmm. This is why I will say, why Paul says stuff like, preordained or before the foundation of the world or, you know, those kind of things. He said that based on the fact that the spirit is showing there are people who God already knew they were going to do certain things. So their name is already in the book. It's in there or it's not already. Mm-hmm. I believe that fully mm. It's already in there. If you, if you are destined to make the right decisions, because I want to make this very clear. It is about your decisions, but if your decisions are keeping you in that path, your name is in the book of life. If your name is in the book of life, it's already there, period. You're not getting there because the day that you said you got saved or whatever, it was already in there because the Lord knew that you were going to get saved. Your name is in the book of life already if you're his. Now, this is all, I'm I'm weaving this all together. I'm trying to give you all a picture of something right now. And I know that we kind of like, we went from talking about the fake Christians and all this kind of stuff. Then we kind of talking about something that seems like it doesn't relate. But I want to, I want to bring out something. You know, this is how the Holy Spirit flows. You start talking about something, he leads you where he wants you to go. So this is what we're talking about today. But here's a point. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about this in the, in light of this young guy that died. He was 28. He died. And nobody knows why yet. We don't know yet. But the point is, is that it made me sad. I cried over it. Um, I just, it was like, it was such a blow to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like he was my friend per se, but mm-hmm. I liked him. Right. We used to have fun at work together. We would talk sometimes about th- different things. We were, we, were, we were in the same row of lockers in the locker room. So every morning, hey, how you doing, man? Hey, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So to know that he died overnight, I was like, What? There's 60, 70 year old men at my job that haven't died. Right. Why him? And I just had to say something that, it, 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 depending on how you are feeling right now, you might think it's cold. I don't know. If you think about what I'm saying, I'm not trying to be cold or in um, in uh, considerate or or. Insensitive, that's what I mean, really want to say. I'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like that. But I am trying to point out a reality. And the reality is God knows who is going to do what in their life. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but if you are someone who is never going to give your life to the Lord, and God knows that, then why does he keep allow why we keep allowing you to have breath if is no more purpose for you on this planet. 
as harsh a reality as that is, it is a fact that things have a season. People have a season, a time, a purpose, place, person, places, and things that they're supposed to be involved with. And my point is that I started, like I said, I was thinking about it and I said, you know what? Okay. So there's these older guys at my job that have been there for 20 something years. They have all this knowledge and wisdom of how to do certain things with what they're doing. The stuff that they can teach me, that guy that died could never teach me. He didn't know it. And I'm not saying that his purpose in there was had anything to do with me. I'm not saying that. However, he was part of what was happening in my life on the job. He was part of that. And the thing about it is, I remember when I first got there, he wasn't there. And the reason why is because he was out hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like, I don't know, maybe four or five months after I started working there that he showed up one day. And I was like, who is this? What's up, family? This is Norman. Thanks for listening to New Numa. We appreciate you, and that includes your feedback. What do you like most about the podcast? What are your favorite subjects? What types of guests would you like to hear more? Shoot us an email today at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Peace.